Hello, hello, hello. I'm Ali and welcome back to All Things Psychology. Thank you so much for tuning in. In this podcast, we're going to dive deep into the topic of psychology. We will discuss its history and how it evolved into the discipline we know today. We will cover famous pioneers of psychology and their contributions to the field, as well as major topics in modern psychology and contemporary research. If you're interested in getting a better understanding of what psychology is and does and how it came to be, then stay tuned. So first I wanted to explain to you why we're now starting with the psychological research series instead of continuing with the history of psychology like I announced in the first episode. The first reason is that I thought it would make more sense to first explain to you how psychological science and science in general works today so you're equipped with the knowledge to assess how the pioneers of psychology did their research in the past. The second reason is that I thought it might be kind of boring to do the complete history of psychology in one go because there are many, many, many important pioneers I want to cover and it would take forever to finish. And this brings me to my third reason. I need a break from history stuff. It's extremely time consuming to research all of those details, whereas science and research is an area where I feel competent in to explain it to you without doing much research myself. So. I hope you're interested in psychological science because that's what our mini-series is all about and it will probably take a couple weeks to really get into it. In the first episode of the psychological research series, we will dive into the question of how does science work? We live in a time where scientific evidence is debated in the media as if it was an opinion, something you can't just disagree with. I believe this partly is the case because I think a lot of people don't really know what it means to conduct science, and in their mind, science is some boring discipline in which only boring people in white coats are interested in. And of course, this is not the case at all. Science is what moves our world forward. Without science, we wouldn't have medicine, vaccines, cars, planes, refrigerators, computers, phone, machines, or really anything else this wonderful world offers us. Without science and human curiosity, we would probably still live like hunter-gatherer groups. The way I see it, science and human society are interconnected. The one cannot live without the other. And the people conducting science, those crazy scientists that dedicate their life to observation and experiment, are the ones who shape our world. So, to make science and the scientific method more feasible for the average person, to demystify what it means to do science, and to make very clear that science is not an opinion, I dedicate this episode to it. So let's get right into it. We start this episode the same way we started the very first episode on what is psychology, with a language lesson, so buckle up. Science is derived from Latin and means knowledge. That's it. Science means knowledge. Science refers to the totality of human knowledge, the knowledge and experience of an era which is systematically expanded, collected, preserved, taught, and handed down. So, science is both a system and a process. Modern science is divided generally into three branches. The formal sciences like mathematics and logic, 
the natural sciences like physics, biology and chemistry, and the social sciences like psychology and sociology. Formal sciences generate knowledge using formal systems. They rely on objective and systematic study of an area of research. In contrast to empirical sciences, they do not need empirical evidence to verify their concepts. They rely on deductive reasoning to do that. Natural sciences can be further divided into life sciences like biology or anatomy and physical sciences like physics and astronomy. They describe, understand and predict natural phenomena by observing and conducting experiments from which they gather empirical evidence. Social sciences study human individuals and societies, their behavior, functioning and processes. They rely on quantitative methods like statistics as well as qualitative methods like case studies or interviews. Science can also be divided into basic research and applied research. Maybe you remember the first episode where I explained the basic and applied fields of psychology. Basic research, also called fundamental research, aims to improve scientific theories and methods to better understand and predict the world. Applied research uses the scientific method and knowledge to attain practical goals like developing interventions via technology, for example. An applied science in the form of sciences is computer sciences, for example, whereas medicine is an example for an applied natural science. Now that we've established what the different branches of science are, let's take a closer look at how science in any field is conducted. This happens via the scientific method, which follows a clear path by which events are objectively explained in a reproducible way. It is an iterative, cyclical process where information is continually revised. First, you have a research question. A research question can result from either previous research or from a new discovery, or from everyday life. The research question is formulated as specific as possible, and always has a method in mind to test it. The method can be freely chosen, but must be adequate to test the research question. Next, researchers gather available information on the topic they like to investigate. This means they look for previously published research articles to get a better understanding of their topic. In the next step, they form a hypothesis. A hypothesis is an assumption or an explanation of a phenomenon. It is formulated as a prediction concerning the outcome of an experiment or observation. The hypothesis is then tested by means of an experiment. How experiments are set up and conducted varies greatly between and also within different scientific disciplines. In another episode, we will look at different experimental setups more closely. The data that is collected during the experiment is analyzed in the next step. The data analysis either accepts or rejects the hypothesis. If the experimental outcome is in line with the prediction of the hypothesis, it means that the hypothesis is accepted. If the experimental outcome contradicts the prediction of the hypothesis, the hypothesis is rejected. One important word of warning here. Accepting a hypothesis is true does by no means indicate that the same hypothesis is the truth. It just means that under the circumstances of this particular observation or experiment, the hypothesis holds up. It can be rejected at a later point in time through different methods. After it is established whether the hypothesis is accepted or rejected in the face of the collected data, the data is then interpreted and conclusions are drawn from them. The experimental results are embedded in already existing literature, which either supports or contradicts the experiment's findings. 
This can also function as a point to formulate new hypotheses. In the last step, the scientific paper, which includes the theoretic background, the research question and hypotheses, the methods by which data was collected, the results, and the discussion of the study or experiment, is submitted to a journal and subsequently peer-reviewed. During the peer review process, other scientists working in the same field anonymously give feedback on a submitted paper and determine its suitability for publication. After revisions, the paper is either rejected or accepted for publication. Now, other researchers can expand on a published paper by either deriving new hypotheses from its findings or by replicating it. Replication means conducting another study based on the same research question and on similar conditions but with different participants and different scientists carrying out the study. This helps building a solid foundation of evidence. To make the scientific method more understandable, I will give you an example of how this might look like in the real world. Let's say you would like to know if emotionally charged words are remembered better than neutral words. Your research question could be, are emotionally charged words better remembered than neutral words? Next, you will look at the literature and see if there's already some information out there on this topic. You might find that it has already been established that people remember situations where they felt strong emotions better than situations where they felt less strong emotions. This could be a clue that the same holds true for words. Then, you need to formulate at least one testable hypothesis. A hypothesis here could be, emotionally charged words will be remembered longer than neutral words. To test this hypothesis, you need to conduct an experiment. This could look like this. You randomly divide participants into two groups. One group is given a list of emotionally charged words, the other group is given a list of neutral words. Each list contains the same amount of words. They are asked to read the words and try to remember as many of them as possible. They have 10 minutes to memorize all of them. The next day, you ask the participants of both groups to write down all the words they remember from yesterday's session. You then compare both groups on how many words they remembered on average. You will either find that the group that was given the emotionally charged words remembered more than the other groups, which would support your hypothesis, or you will find the opposite, which would contradict your hypothesis. Let's say your results support the hypothesis. Emotionally charged words are indeed better remembered than neutral words. You then need to come up with explanations as to why this might be the case. Here, you refer to the literature you read when researching your topic. You read everything done in a research paper, submitted to a journal, and hope to get published. In a later episode, I will explain in detail how our research paper is structured and what is contained in it. This just served as an illustration as to how the scientific method and research process might work in this particular case. So, let's come to falsifiability. Falsifiability is one of the most important concepts in science and was developed by the Austrian scientist Karl Popper. It means that a theory or hypothesis can be contradicted by logic or an empirical test. It separates science from pseudoscience. Falsifiability is opposed to verifiability, which is intuitively similar to the concept of falsifiability, but in reality it is not at all. And I tell you why. If you want to verify the claim all insects have six legs, it would require you to observe all the insects that are currently alive, which is just impossible. This means if you see 100 insects and all of them have six legs, this does not verify your claim that all insects have six legs because there could be insects out there who do not have six legs, but you just have not seen them yet. It is however possible to falsify that claim by only observing one insect that has more or less than six legs. This is possible and reasonable to do. 
So falsifiability really is the gold standard of science, which must be adhered to under all circumstances. Science revolves around observation and experiment. Scientific observation is the process by which scientists closely examine phenomena of their interest. In the old days, scientists did this only equipped with their senses and simple instruments. Today, we are assisted by sophisticated technologies like microscopes, telescopes, particle accelerators, gene sequencers, you name it. The observations gained from these instruments and technologies need to be meticulously recorded so they can be compared with past and future observations in order to draw knowledge from them. Astronomy, subatomic physics, and genetics are some disciplines which rely on observation. Then there are experiments. An experiment can be seen as an extension of observation and it tests hypotheses. It is a planned and systematic observation in which the effects of one variable on another is carefully studied. Deliberate changes are made to these variables to see what effects those changes have. This ensures that the results obtained from the experiment result from the changes made by the experimenters and not by other outside sources. How experiments are conducted, also known as the methods, as well as the results, must again be recorded. So they are transparent and can be reproduced by other scientists. The more knowledge is gained through experiments, the more the relationships between different variables become clearer and predictions can be made with greater accuracy. Physics, chemistry and psychology are disciplines that rely on experiments. So let's come to quality criteria. Quality criteria are very important in science. They are a set of characteristics used to assess the quality of measurement instruments and survey procedures, their design and application. I will dedicate an extra episode on quality criteria in this series, so for now I will just quickly explain the three main quality criteria, which are objectivity, reliability, and validity. Objectivity means that the results obtained from an experiment or an observation, or any kind of study really, are independent from the people who carried out the observation or experiment. So this means that measurements should be similar to all subjects or participants, which means that a specific test situation needs to be standardized and controlled for. Furthermore, the analysis and interpretation of results should adhere to a standardized protocol as well. This ensures that no matter who analyzes or interprets the data, the results will be the same at all times. Reliability describes the degree of accuracy of a measurement. The aim is to ensure that a measuring instrument measures exactly as it should and that the measurement results are not distorted by measurement errors. Therefore, a measurement instrument is considered reliable if it produces the same results when used repeatedly under the same conditions. Validity means the extent to which a tool measures what it claims to measure, that it is well-founded and corresponds as much to the real world as possible. I will go into the different kinds of validity in an episode on quality criteria. So the question you now might be asking yourself is, 
After we carefully plan and conduct a study and closely adhere to the quality criteria of science, can science at some point arrive at the ultimate truth? The short answer, unfortunately, is no. Science is never able to grasp the whole truth, but it nonetheless strives for it. The universe and the world we live in is complicated and complex, and we as humans possess a limited capability to capture all there is to know. With science, we can come close, however. Science strives to objectively conduct observations and experiments stripped from any subjectivity, morals, and worldviews. Every observation, every study, adds to an existing body of knowledge, bringing us closer to the truth, whatever that may be. So, this concludes the first episode of our Psychological Science series, where we covered the scientific method and falsifiability, how observations and experiments are carried out, what the three main quality criteria are, and if science can ever arrive at the truth. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you left a 5-star review and subscribed to never miss an episode. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at allthingspsychology underscore podcast to join in on the conversation and get some accompanying material to each episode. Also, I always forgot to mention that the show has a transcript. It's not a word-by-word transcript of every episode, but rather an episode-turned-medium article embellished with infographics and everything. So check out the link to my Medium page if you want to read up on the things covered in the show. So thanks again for listening. Stay curious, stay healthy, and see you next time. Bye!